You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning, church. Our focal passage this morning is back in Exodus. Um, And it's several chapters, so we are going to read two smaller sections. The first starts in uh, chapter 35. So you can open your Bibles or read along with me on the screen. Um, The first is chapter 35, verses 4 through 9. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen goat's hair, tanned ram skin and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And our second section is from chapter 36, verses 1 through 7. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing. And said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Hey all, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, If you would just pray with me and then we'll jump in and as Kelly said, we're really kind of working through like five chapters, but uh, we didn't read five chapters today, and I won't hit on all those uh, in detail today. So, God, thanks so much for the gift uh, that we get to be your people, and we get to come together, and we get to lift you up, and we get to sing songs to you and about you directly. We don't have to go through any man or process, but because Christ has, has drawn us near, we get to do what we're doing right now. And we get to speak to you. God, I know there are people in this room hurting and broken. God, I ask that you would let your word do just what you desire for it to do today. God, would you open our, our minds and our hearts to show us that you equip your people to make you known through, through all kinds of ways and through diverse generosity that you give us. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's this guy called Thor, right? He is the god of thunder. Um, He is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Or for some of you in in modern times, he's Loki's brother, okay? Uh, That's a weird thing to say, all right? But uh, anyway, so uh, he's from a, he hails from a planet called Asgard, right? And uh, and during his kind of, kind of like coronation to be king, his, his father Odin, he gives a speech and he describes this hammer, like that's his thing, right? 
Um, Thor's pretty tough. Um, he's not so bad on the eyes, but uh, at the end of the day, he has this hammer that's, that's that can like call down lightning, and it can fly to him. He just sticks his hand up, and it comes soaring to him, and he can throw it at people, and it comes right back to him, and he can fly with this thing, and, and no one-ish can pick this thing up except for him, right? So, so in this kind of coronation, his father Odin, he says this. He says, Thor, my firstborn, so long entrusted with the mighty hammer, forged in the heart of a dying star, or uh, the, uh, the infomercial would say a space-age polymer, right? Um, it has pow- its power has no equal as a weapon to destroy or a tool to build, right? It's, its power has no equal as a weapon to destroy or a tool to build. It is a fit companion for a king. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing. You're no God. Um, you are no king of Asgard. You don't have Thor's hammer. But, but we have been given incredible power and responsibility to rule and reign under the might and the rule and the reign of one true God. Stewarding all that he has bestowed upon us and all that, that has been given to us not, not merely a hammer, but all that we have to use as weapons to destroy or as tools to build. I read this week that uh, every being that isn't God has a higher purpose. And that's really simple, but it's really easy to forget. Every being that isn't God has a higher purpose, and that is to live for God's Glory, And so consider what it is that humanity has done together. Throughout all of history, we have waged wars of destruction. We're really, really good at doing that. And at the same time, so with all that in mind, I, I just want us to begin to consider the work of our own hands. What we do to, to tear down and what we do to build up. And so we're journeying along in Exodus and as Scott said, we, we have this week and then next week, and then we will have journeyed through the entire books of Genesis and Exodus together. And you might be asking, are we, are we jumping into Leviticus next? And, uh, but probably not, but I, we'll see what happens. So, so in this Exodus, God is rescuing and he's establishing and he's setting up his people to, to be with him. That's the point, to be his people, that he might be their God and that they might be his people. And he freed them, he rescued them, he led them. He made a covenant with them, and they broke that covenant, and, and he makes a covenant again, and he says, it's, it's me and you, and it's on my faithfulness, so, so walk in my ways. And he told them to build a tabernacle, a tent set up as a place for God to be present with his people, right? But, but he doesn't at this time just bring a new heaven down. He doesn't, he doesn't let heaven come down to earth. He, he doesn't uh, bring down a new heaven to dwell in. He invites his people to build the hands, to be set apart as the place to be present with God and to put his glory on display. Not too long ago, we looked at kind of the building of the tabernacle. And it was like five chapters, and it's very detailed, right? It talks about the, the rugs and the linens and the paint colors and the light bulbs and, and all the things, right? And, and the lampstands, and, and it's very detailed. Um, the Bible does this several times. It, it does this, it's like a literary technique where it says, 
And God asked them to do da 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 And then like sometime later, and, and the people did this. And it's literally almost verse by verse the same thing. Five chapters if you read from here on 35, 36, 37, 38, and 39. It's, it's just them doing this work, right? As we see this, we're seeing how they built it. Not just that God was asking them to, that he was calling them, them to, but we, see, we begin to see the process, and we begin to see this thing actually come to be. And, and as he has them build, he invites them. And, and I, I don't think it's a stretch to put ourselves uh, kind of in the pages of the text, right? That can be dangerous. But as we see God inviting his people to do something bigger than them in this moment, he invites us to see what they're doing. And, and there's three really practical things that, that puts his glory on display. And so the sermon will look like this. Just three things. He says, give generously. As you're building this thing, as you're putting my glory on display, give generously, work together until the work is done. So it's not a stretch to say that whether we are building a, a tabernacle for God's presence to dwell or, or as we go today about our lives as the living, breathing tabernacle of the living God, the church, this is true. God equips his people to put his glory on display through diverse generosity to do in light of these pages. So occasionally in the scriptures, like most of the Bible, if you don't know anything about it, it's a disaster. It's just people being an utter disaster. Page after page of people, uh, of God inviting them into something and them, them failing to do it. God in, inviting them to live for his glory, to, to be obedient to him, and then failing to do it. But, but occasionally you see like s some people get it right, right? And, and there's this section in the scriptures in Acts chapter 2 at the end of the chapter that we're going to take five weeks and look at starting like next month, Right? Um, it's this beautiful snapshot of like what it looks like for, for the, the church to live in healthy ways, right? For, for them to be a community that's sent on mission. We see God's people come together, and we see this kind of like joyous unity uh, the, uh, of them coming together to do something bigger than themselves. And so the first thing that we get to see God call them into is, is this, give generously. Before we get into this text in, in, uh, in verse 4, we see another setup at the beginning of, of chapter 35 that's just inviting them to remember the Sabbath. Like, this has happened dozens and dozens of times. Before he invites them to do something, while he's inviting them to do it, after they do it, he invites them to remember the Sabbath. And, and that's good for us to see because what that's doing is it's, it's reminding us and reminding them that that we get to trust, we get to be dependent upon God as our provider, right? And then we jump in. I'm going to read verses 35, 4 through 9. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Now, when you hear that, you say, oh, gosh, what is it that the Lord has commanded, right? Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tan ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting 
for the ephod and, and for the breastplate. That's the stuff that the priest would wear. So, so what is going What do we see here? The Lord commands that all the congregation is to use their gifts. All the congregation is to use their gifts. It's an invitation that, that this is what he says, whoever has a generous heart gets to join in this work. Which is kind of a, a, a sweet relief. So, so who, all of God's people who have a generous heart, and what are they doing? They're giving back from what God has given them. Right? They're giving the Lord's contribution. And the beauty is that, that generosity from the people of God gets to flow from the God of generosity. Remember, they've been wandering in the desert. That's what they've been doing. And how do they have anything at all? Because God has provided for them. And remember when they left Egypt? When he freed them and rescued them from Egypt, the last thing that God said was plunder them. And you know what Egypt did here? Take, take our stuff. Take all of the good stuff. Take our animals and, and our gold. Take lots of good stuff as you go. All this stuff that they, they received from the Lord, they get to give back to do this work that he's inviting them into, to put his glory on display in a, in a tabernacle, a tent, where he will show up and be present with them wherever they go as they wander in the desert. So, so what we see is, is there is work to be done, and he's inviting them into that. And the work is to put the glory of God on display by building a place for his presence to dwell. So God's invitation is, is to give of what God has already given you and to serve, to contribute. Now, I imagine the same people who brought goat hair probably didn't have, they, they weren't jewelers as well. But in this, you see a jewel, uh, jewelers and, and, and people who work with fine linens and people who work with animals and herds and, and all kinds of things. It's, it's diverse it's a diverse group of people, as diverse as we are in this room here today. But when we consider generosity, and, and that's true for them, it's also true for us, we know that the church, as we talk about money and giving, and, and as we try to get people to serve or, or to do work, we know that that comes with baggage, right? And, and I wouldn't doubt that if you're in this room and you don't know me and you don't know, know us, then you're like literally like rolling your eyes like, here it is. Again, the church is really good at just saying, hey, you got to give more, right? So, <clears throat> so we're all familiar with, with bad motivations to give and bad motivations to serve. And I want to give you two just real quick. We confuse guilt for generosity. We've probably all given out of guilt, given something out of guilt, or, or we've showed up to, to move a couch <laughs> for someone because, like, yeah, I should do that, right? And maybe that's okay, and, and maybe it's not okay. You've probably given your time, or you've probably uh, given your money, or you've asked from others to give out of guilt, right? And, and, um, and what I want us to know, in light of this text, and in light of the name that the church has, and, and there are Instagram uh, channels like Preachers and Sneakers that, that talk about preachers who have sneakers that are, you know, $10,000 and whatever, and these were not. Um, 
but, uh, but, but you see, like, gosh, how can this person be asking and pleading and, and, and in guilt-driven motivation, inviting others to give who, who don't have or, or whatever it is? And so we confuse guilt for generosity, but what we get to see is, is guilt is not a gospel motivator. Guilt is not a gospel motivator in friendship. It's not a gospel motivator in parenting. It's not a gospel motivator in community. Guilt is not a gospel motivator in, in church building projects like the one that we see in these pages. It's not a gospel motivator in establishing the church or advancing her mission. But when we behold a generous God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, full of grace, delight in our contribution to give back what was never ours apart from his generous gifts. We confuse guilt for generosity and we confuse investment for generosity. Right? It, it can be so subtle and many of us are even mindful not to fall for it. Like I'm not falling for prosperity theology. I'm not falling for if I do X, then Y and Z will follow. And if I align myself with, with obedience to God, then, then I'm not expecting him to give me the type of blessing that I'm looking for. And yet, it's so subtle that, we're fall, that, that we fall into that. If I, if I give a little, or if I show up and I do the thing, maybe I'll get something out of it. And if I obey, then, then maybe my, my sick child will be made well. If I do uh, the right things, or if I if I serve, or I give uh, in abundance, uh, uh, then then maybe I'll get a kickback from God. And worse, that we might think that it, that it is our giving or our servant lifestyle that entitles us to to eternal life before God, as if we could put ourselves in a position where God is our debtor, that He owes us something. And it's not only for financial gain, but, but some give for self-glory, and, and, and they build their lives on self-serving, but really it's just a self-serving facade of generosity that we might gain the appeal or the praise of man. Entire re religions are built around us doing it right and balancing the scales of good and bad and doing more good than bad as if there was a formula to gain God, there is, there is no formula, nothing that we can do to gain God. Return on investment is not a gospel motivator, and, and it's not a gospel motivator in friendship. And return on investment is not a gospel motivator in community, and, that's, and, it, and it's also not a gospel motivator in parenting, nor in church building projects, nor in establishing the church or advancing her mission. But when we behold a generous God who laid down his life, not for his own gain, but for our gain, we get to give. We get to contribute, not as a seed for a payoff, but as an opportunity to contribute at our cost for kingdom gain. Or as Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 9, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Gosh, isn't that refreshing? 
Just that. As he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's quite a contrast. And we see Paul in the New Testament. That's, that's quite a contrast of tone from the manipulative persuasion that the church is known for. And it's quite a contrast from stingy contribution that we might be drawn into. Beholding a generous God is the gateway to, to be joyful and selfless and, and live a, a uh, selflessly generous life. So this says, whoever has a generous heart gets to participate in the building of the tabernacle. Or, or for us, whoever has a generous heart gets to participate in advancing the kingdom as the church moves about as the collective temple of the living God established by the cornerstone Christ Jesus who sets us apart to be holy vessels that we might reveal the glory of God. We get to give generously. He invites his people to give generously. God equips his people to put his glory on display through diverse generosity. The second thing that, that he invites them into and that he invites us into is, is that we get to work together. I want to read just verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Every skillful craftsmen among you. Come and make all that the Lord has commanded. One beautiful picture of the church is that it isn't a bunch of individuals doing a bunch of things, but, but we are one in Christ, one organism doing one thing, unified in diversity, and it shows up in a million ways as we go about doing all that God invites us into. So it says in this text, bless you. Every type of contribution, let every pillars, poles, lampstands, utensils, oils for the light, incense, doorposts, garments. And then I'm going to read, starting in verse 20. 35, 20 through 29, and just look at what's happening. Part of a building project like this, but there's something like beautiful about lots of people coming together to do something greater. Then, uh, this is in verse 20, then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came both men and women. All who were of the willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram's skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. 
And they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And what a skill that is to spin goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spices and oils for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrance, incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had come as a free will offering to the Lord. Servants and leaders and men and women Invited to work together in whatever contribution their capacity would allow for the glory of God that he might be revealed. Please don't buy the lie that you have nothing to offer. Please don't buy the lie that you have nothing to contribute. That your gifts aren't the right gifts to contribute, to give God glory. God has and God is and God will use everyone who has a generous heart to use all that he has given to make his name known. You you are not so special that you are an outlier to that truth. You are not so special that, that you don't have the type of gifts that God would delight to use, to push his glory forth. But, but you are uniquely um, special and positioned to use your gifts to, to wage war, uh, to, to let them rust away, or as tools to build. God delights to use what he has given you. And when we are seeing things uh, rightly with, with spiritual eyes as God would allow us to see, we too delight to be used to make his name known. Man, um, I, I shared this years ago, but it, it's, it's so fitting. This guy, J.J. Watt, he's in now, which is unique because he's played for the Houston Texans for a long time. And um, he's just like a... a a huge dude that is really good at his job, right? Um, and, and this is what he said years ago. He says, my goal, the athlete I can create, talking about himself, right? And then give it to the coaches and let them use it however they want. Like, I've never coached in the NFL, right? But I imagine that is the guy you want on your team. Somebody that puts the work in, and that's a coach's dream. Somebody that, that, that's willing to train and, and put the work in and develop themselves and grow as a player and then submit themselves to the team's greater good. I'm, I'm here, coach. Do with me whatever you will. Which is quite a contrast to even in, in youth sports, right? Which I've been around a lot when you have 10-year-olds demanding to play a certain position, or, or you have, you know, uh, like young players unwilling to, to do what the coach is having them do. Or, or worse than that, you have parents being whiners and complainers on the sideline. 
And it's like, man, what a gift to have someone just say, here I am, I'm willing to let you do whatever you think is best for the greater good. What if that was our kingdom approach? What if, what if you lived your life, not for a football coach, but you said, God, I, I have spent time with you. I've submitted my heart to you. Like, I trust you above all. In my work, it's for your glory. In my rest, it's for your glory. God, here I am that you might do with me whatever it is that you desire to do. What a gift. Being this unity. See, that, that's a bigger picture. It's not, that's not J.J. Watt saying, man, I want to I I be the, the team's leading. Uh, I want to have more sacks than anybody else on the team. That, that would be a different heart from a different place. But he's, he's worried about the team, right? But what's driving the unity that we see in this text? Is it selfishness? Is it a desire to have the light on them? Is it, is it a desire for self-glory? Is it a demand to, that, that their art would be shown in the foyer? Is it a demand that they would be spotlighted? It's, it's none of those things. It, was it a desire that their agenda might be pressed forward? That's not what we see here. Is it a desire to, to hijack God's glory and politicize or polarize and make it about any other thing? That's not what we see here. Is it a desire to make a profit? All of these things certainly come at a cost. Certainly a time cost. Certainly a financial cost. It's none of those things. In fact, what we see in this text, it was the Spirit of God that brought about this unity. Not only does the Spirit of God equip, but He empowers full hearts and engaged hands. In 3521, he, he says it this way, and they come, everyone whose heart stirred him. They were gripped. They were passionate to use their gifts. And everyone whose spirit moved him. And then just 10 verses later in verse 31, and he has filled, this is, this is sweet. And he has filled him with the spirit of God. Right? And when we, we think that way, you begin to think in the abstract, and the Spirit of God's like moving, and we don't know what He's up to, and He's some magical, mystical cloud force. It's the, the person of God, the Spirit of God, fills them. Look how practical the Spirit of God is to daily life with skill, with intelligence. So the words in the Bible, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. The Spirit of God fills them with skill, intelligence, knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. Your work matters. Right? And, and certainly this has a scope. It's very particular as they're building the tabernacle. But, but if you zoom out, all these things are true. All of these things are true. The Spirit is the gift giver. Let us not be glory hogs thinking uh, that our talent or our gifts or our desires or determination is from us for us. But it is from God for us to use all that we have to make His beauty and His glory known. 
That's what we get to do with the things that, with every good gift that God has bestowed upon us. And look, the Bible speaks to this. I, I won't spend much time, but, but all of your gifts are not equal. That's okay. J.J. Watt, he's not catching touchdown passes. That's okay. Probably things that, gosh, I, I wish I was like that person or that person. And Paul speaks directly to that. He says, man, we, we all have a part to play. Not everyone could be eyeballs because that would be really creepy looking. Everybody has a different part to play, and that's okay. That's the diversity of gifts according to the measure of which God gives us. So we get to submit to him in all things. Why? So our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates and our teachers and our coaches and, and, and teammates might know and trust and treasure the full nature of God above anything this world offers. That they might be spared from eternal destruction and brought into the family of God today and forever. That's what's at stake in the way that the church builds God's glory together. Or as God says it uh, elsewhere in his word, that, that they will know me by the love that you have for one another. This um, have been meeting for a few months now, monthly. It's, it's actually happening tomorrow. But I won't hijack your uh, announcement, Scott. Um, and so uh, Scott and Angie Dickin and... Um, Lindsay and some others um, have been getting together and, and talking about how they use their gifts uh, creatively to, to advance God's glory and what that looks like and all the tensions in and, in and around that. And my daughter, she's 12 years old, and I, I don't go there. I drop her off and let her hang out with those people, right? People that I trust that are mature. And, and every time my heart leaps, one, that she's like, hey, uh, that, that it's on her calendar. That, that's why my heart really leaps, that it's on her calendar. And she's 12, and she's like, hey, Dad, uh, I don't have soccer tomorrow, so I'm going to go to the Village Arts thing. And I'm like, gosh, daughter, right? That's good. I love you too, son. You know, out there too, that's fine. Um, <laughs> for real, Titus, it's okay. Um, uh, Titus used a Google Keep note in the last month, and that was really exciting for us, right? It was a list of movies that he and his friend wanted to watch, which I thought, that's a great way to organize your life. This is really good. We're on to something. So anyway, I, I drop Ireland off. My heart leaps every time that she desires to go sit down for, for an hour and a half or longer with, with mature men and women who are stirring her heart to use her gifts as an artist to put God's glory on display in joy and delight in the power of the Holy Spirit. What a gift. To let you know the things that, make, that, that excite me the most about you all people, about the Village Church, is things like that. I had nothing to do with it, and I look on this, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. There's an arts gathering, right? That's basically my contribution. What a sweet gift <laughs> that I get to send my 12-year-old daughter to figure out how, to, how she can use her life and the gifts that God has given her to put his glory on display. What a gift. But look, you don't have to be an artist in a traditional sense. Like, accountants are artists too, right? They're, they're organizers, right? And, and they, help, uh, they help fit the bill for the things that, that, that the others might want to carry out. And so we get to use all of our gifts. Uh, Matt Tucker, uh, I love that guy. Where are you at, Matt? Hey, hey, Matt. 
What's up, buddy? Um, he just recently joined the, the board at Serve City, and, and he's using his unique gifts to serve that community in this city to, to help people uh, in, in unique ways. And, and Jackie Bouvet, she, she works there. And I know Elijah Bospal, the guy playing drums up here, he, he, he uh, worked there for like a decade, right, and still has some interaction with them. And, and what they do is just serve the city in unique ways. But, but it's not just that either. Faye Meyer, my community group leader, Rick and Faye, Faye opens her home to people. Like in ways that are just inspiring. And you know what's beautiful? Rick literally built the table with his hands that they invite with wood. His wife loving people in hospitable ways, inviting their neighbors over. What, what gifts that they are contributing to the building of God's glory. Brittany Cox and Emmy and Alex, three young women who, who live together with like a couple other young women. Look, every time I talk to those girls and the way that they engage and understand the, the word of God and their, their love of the people of God and their love of the mission of God in ways that like is humbling to me. They invest their life and their resources. If someone has need, those are the girls that I would want to be there. Right? And, and I know we could go on for hours about all of the unique gifts that you all have. And what we get to do. And, and, and maybe it's just as we gather together as the church that you would want to jump on a serve team. There are a, a million opportunities and, and you all serve in a million different ways. What a gift you all are to, to, to make mature and multiply disciples and churches through Christ renown. And, and my encouragement to you would be, man, join one of those teams, not for guilt. Do what you do with what you have and, and follow your passions and evaluate God's gifts to you and pray that he would unleash his glory through them, whether anyone notices you or not. And the last thing we get to do is, is we get to give generously and we get to work together until the work is done. <clears throat> Man, as I mentioned, I, I love Matt Tucker and, and Adam Jacob uh, and, and our finance team as, as they lead that. And Adam's going to get up in just a few minutes and say words. No one knows what he's going to say. I don't, Adam, I, you don't know what you're going to say yet, right? You're not fooling anyone. It's okay. Um, I love that they strive to empower people to live generously, and they're growing as a finance team to do that and, and to walk in, in godly wisdom relating to how we manage our finances. I love each man and woman and child in this room who, who gives abundantly through all that, that God has given. And, and so regularly we thank God for your generous contributions to make God known, trusted, and treasured in this city. In the same breath, we know that if each person committed to contribute, uh, each, even just each member of this family committed to contribute through their gifts, to teach, to give, to serve, to lead in whatever capacity. We would have to think creatively how to give away and how to send money and resource and talent that, that we would have, and in, in, in this is what we see, right? In verse 36, 2 through 7, tell me if you've ever seen anything like this in a church gathering that you've ever been a part of. And Moses called... Uh, two people, and every craftsman in, 
in whose mind the Lord had put skill. Everyone whose heart stirred him up to, to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, you ready for it? The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and word was pro proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. I'm super pumped about that day. <laughs> oh, jeez. Where we say, hey, just, you guys, stop serving. It's too much, right? Stop giving. Just go home, right? Find something else to do with all of your talent and your gifts and your generosity. I, I look forward to that, right? So in this text, they went on to build the tabernacle just as God had commanded them. But, but here's the thing. God's, God's glory has been revealed in full. And it didn't happen through the most gifted artisan or, or the wealthiest jeweler or the best seamstress or woodworker. God's glory has been put on display in the temple of the living God, Jesus Christ, incarnated in the flesh as man in every way. His body the temple put the full character and the full nature of God on display. And he wasn't a politician, and he wasn't an earthly king, although every knee will bow, and he wasn't a megachurch pastor, and he didn't have a million subscribers on YouTube. He came into the world, the infinite God of grace and beauty, as a carpenter, and he worked with his hands to beautify lumber and he redeemed wood and metal to give people a place to to share meals and he put God's glory on display by making living rooms and chairs to put on porches for people to share laughs and drinks and to play games and to share joy and at the end of his life he used those same simple elements that he'd been glorifying God with all along wood and nails to bring the fullness of God's love and justice and glory for all to see on the cross and he did it until the work was done. Until he died with your sin to give you the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And when the work of pleasing God was done, he decreed it so on our behalf. He said it this way, it is finished. The work is done. In Christ, it, it wasn't give generously, work together until the work is done. But what we get to be brought into is give generously, work together because the work is done. <laughs> that, that, that sets us apart from Israel in this text. It's finished. Pleasing God is, is 
done. On the cross, the work was done and it is done. So you no longer have to serve and give and obey with the heart of stone to earn anything from God or from anyone else, but we get to serve, to give and obey with the heart of flesh, a new heart that no longer beats for our own glory, but to make God's glory, to make God's presence known and trusted and treasured. So First thing first, ask God for a new heart. If you hear all this and you find yourself greatly contrasted with his ideal servant that that we painted out today, make today the day where you say, God, give me a new heart. It's no longer about my glory but it's about everything you've already given me so that I might live for your glory. God equips his people to put his presence on display through diverse generosity. Three real quick things to think about, and the band can come on up. So what do I do with all of this stuff? Well, I get to examine the gifts. I get to examine the gifts. What has God given me that I might put his glory on display? Look at your life. In just a minute when we sing and when we pray and we respond, just begin to think, what is it that God's given me? Right? And I've, I've said a million times in my heart, gosh, my gifts aren't like that. And maybe I don't have anything to offer. But you know what? Maybe I do have something to offer. God, would you show me what those things are? Number two, engage the gifts. Don't just be mindful of them. But begin in some subtle way to contribute your gifts to build the glory of God. And lastly, unite the gifts. How can I use what God has given me to come alongside, examine, engage, and unite the gifts? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much. That, that you have finished the work and that, that you're no longer accepting as payment for our sin any good work, anything that we might offer, any, any act of generosity. God, would you show us that, that um, guilt is not a motivator for those things. It, it's not necessary because you gave your life generously. God, would you let us, the people in this room, the people who are part of this church family, be the most generous people this city and this county has ever encountered. And God, I know that there might be people in the room saying, but I don't have much. God, would you show them what they do have? And would you let them be faithful in whatever capacity of gifts you've given us? Would you let us be faithful in that? Not for our name, but for yours alone. God, as we respond as your people and, and take communion for those who are in Christ by faith alone through your grace, would you let us remember your work? Would you let us declare it in this room? We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen.